Thunderbrunt. guys doing doing awesome well welcome to writers blockbusters yes a podcast where we treat the final edit of a movie like the script mm-hmm. why <laughs> <laughs> well jamie the reason is no there's several reasons which we're not going to cover right now <laughs> anyway so today uh before we talk about a movie we're going to introduce ourselves yes so let's we'll start with you i am jimmy george i am a screenwriter and full-time script consultant and my twitter handle is at jimmy r george I am Jamie Nash. I am a screenwriter. <laughs> and your Twitter oh, handle is? My Twitter handle is at Jamie <laughs> underscore Nash. He couldn't remember. That's slight pause. <laughs> and I'm Bob Rose. My Twitter handle is at ThundergruntBob. And then, yeah, I'm a person that does stuff. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to talk about Shining, colon, Dr. Sleep. Yes. What it should have been called God. Jamie, how much did it make? How much so did far. it make? How it made it make? a whopping so <laughs> far as of this recording. Uh, eighteen million dollars. It's not. This is the second. This is the first. This weekend? is the second week. Second week. Second week. We're into week. T- are we into week two? Yeah, we're into week two. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, well, it's already underperformed wow. as as we're talking about it. Eighteen million. It yeah. is not a blockbuster. No. <laughs> no, it is not. Yeah. Um, Jamie, did do you know how good the original the Shining, did? The Shining made forty four million in its opening week, so it's kind of on par with the Shining. I guess, but with inflation, though. with inflation, you know, it made forty four million in its opening release. I mean, so it wasn't was... a hit when it came out. No, it. You know, though, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Yeah, 40, that, that's way higher than I thought. Forty four million yeah. is not bad in the 70s that, in the I 70s mean, yeah. in that day and age because there were probably blockbusters that made 60 yeah. yeah so it did cost 19 million which is a lot of money for a horror play yeah wow yeah. In, in those days and i, I said 1980 I said, by the way i was reading last okay. night about 1980 how, i said 70s may 1980 okay how the original got voted for the razzies and stanley kubrick got a worst director that is just wow. crazy. nomination well wow. stuff changes over wow. time man also, wow. horror, horror movies definitely kind of been a slum back then, even despite The Exorcist yeah. and some things. But, mm. you know, it was slumming a little bit for right. him to do a Stephen King adaptation. <laughs> this is like our like fourth or fifth Stephen King. It's our King, fourth this right? year. This year. Yeah. It just shows you. And that's, that's, that's what I wanted to bring up. That's like, the times. Do right. you think, I feel like we might have finally hit this oversaturation. I think so. I disagree that that's the reason this failed. No, you know I, that. Yeah, you, know, I, you know I disagree. I uh, here's my thing. I don't think the Stephen King aspect is alone gets me to the movie no. at, at all, no. um, or it's even that special anymore. There's so many Stephen King things and around. The, we're so. thirty but years not, into not things the, getting adapted. I, I judge them in their on their own merits, yeah. basically, which I guess yeah. you do anyway. But still, also, I mean, it might have been an oversaturation thing with just pr- proximity to it too. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Pet Cemetery, yeah. it too. I mean, all this year, yeah, like, and Castle Rock. And like 
Gunslinger. Yeah. Stranger Things, Dark Tower. Kind of. Stranger Things is like, essentially and just... And that's like a homage, yeah, so, yeah. right. It feels like that, yeah. Why didn't this work? I just, I think the marketing was just awful. That's that's honestly my God, opinion, but... yeah. I think it was script. You know who script shadow is, right? right yeah, Jamie. Yeah, yeah, script yeah. shadow. He was. He has this article where he goes over every week how the movies did the box office, and and he was talking. He was the first one who brought up what you guys were talking about off the podcast uh, was about the trailers don't show. Yeah, yeah, that was what the movie is. The movie is The Shining Two, but it's not called Shining Two. It has, out, out of context, the dumbest title ever. Yeah. <laughs> What was the Jamie? You said that your wife. Oh yeah, my my wife asked me three times. My wife, a fan of horror movies, right? She loves right. horror movies. We kept we'd watch TV, and then there would an ad would come up a real quick Doctor Sleep. You know, she'd be like Doctor Sleep. That's a stupid title. What's that about? <laughs> and I'd explain it to her. I'd say it's about Danny Torrance. He grows up. He has a further adventure. And she, oh okay. But she wouldn't need that if it was called The Shining. Yeah, Doctor Sleep. Well, well or not only like that. She yeah. asked right. me that three times after I explained, which might be talking about her failing memory or something but honestly <laughs> well i hope not I, but... I honestly had to tell her like explain it to her three times and she's yeah. like, oh yeah that's right and she's a dumb title but it, <laughs> if it was just shining two yeah, it'd be fine people yeah. I, it, I bet you would have added or, another 10 million at least or the overlook yeah. or something the overlook, overlook. return right. to the overlook red rum red, red rum, rum call it red rum yeah, Danny Torrance. Yeah, make it like a John Rambo yeah. thing, you know. And I so, do wonder, <laughs> Doctor I... Who, no. <laughs> Doctor Strange, <laughs> Doctor Strange Love. No, yeah, <laughs> right. I do wonder if that, if Stephen, I, I want to, I'm curious to see who made that decision because you know he, he you signs and off on every you and McGregor. Yeah, he was like, damn it, I, uh, I will Steve, not. I, I, I will not. Stephen, he has no say in that stuff. Are that's, you sure? That's a studio. That's yeah, totally a studio. I, I, I would think it was a studio. Okay. I mean, it's possible that he has a say in that stuff because he is powerful. That's what I mean. But I bet you he doesn't. But has any... I, I bet they... I don't know. It's kind of the power of Stephen King. Has any Stephen King novel been renamed Ooh. in the past? That's, that's a question a for our listeners. The first listener trivia. will win two uh, I don't know. Little Caesars pizzas. I don't know. I don't really. I'd have uh, to actually. Oh, Stand By Me is called The Body. The Body. I was, that was the one that popped in. Um, but still, there's no marketing there for that. And then uh, you know? Shawshank Redemption is called the... So Rita Hayworth. Rita and the Shawshank. Hay and the Rita Shawshank Hayworth yeah. and the... Okay, so... But that still doesn't apply here. Yeah. We're talking about one of the <laughs> most famous horror movies that ever was made. It makes no sense to and me how it's not making more money. You right. talked to... You talked to... I mean, X-Men Origins. You talked Wolverine. to 10 people. There's a reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who doesn't know The Shining? Right. It's so... Right. Iconic. And this has nothing to do with the script. It's just yeah. like, yeah. oh, it's no, it's relevant. It's absolutely it's relevant. relevant. They, they, they just it's such a simple thing. And I think part of this is because most people are enjoying the movie, uh, us included, yeah. and so it's kind of puzzling. It's an interesting puzzle why this movie is really not made any money. And uh, I think when we start getting into, we'll get into later the logline and stuff. I think it actually is also a symptom of the movie there is what some, it is yeah there is something instructive to take yes from. exactly there's something yeah 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 still I'm, shining too <laughs> yeah it should be it should be it the, should be 50 million easy here's, here's s2 <laughs> here's the thing shiners I, I i remember though when dr sleep the book came out 
And Stephen King kind of was separating it from The Shining a little yes. bit. And the book's even more separated yes. from The Shining. Well, yes. It so, has little to do with Well, I wouldn't say little, we, uh, but it has less to do with I'm it. I'm assuming anyone listening to our podcast is already going to know the history there. Like, Mike Flanagan had the job of making a sequel to both a book and a movie and merging them into he one thing. He did a thing. marvelous job. Marvelous job. But that like this, there's. I don't think there's ever been a movie kind of like this before or after, like yet. yet. Well, yet. So but, you just, know what I mean? Like, can you think quick, of a precedent for this? But just some quick no. things, though, to to talk about that. So in the book, the hotel burnt down. Right. In the first book. In the first yeah. book. Um, and Scatman Crothers lived. Scatman Crothers lived. Yeah. Um. In in The Shining, the book we're talking about. Um. And there were other differences too. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a warm book. It has it's yeah. about family. Yeah. yeah. So the sequel, you can watch the TV movie if you don't want to do- read it. Yeah. <laughs> so the Doctor's Sleep book didn't have all the shining references in it right. as much to to play with because there were a lot of different things that Did happened. you read the book? I did not read the book. I did. It's, yeah. it's so, so the, you've read Doctor Sleep. Doctor Sleep. And Jamie, you have not I have not read that. I have not. Okay. So okay. so we're clear on who has yeah. and hasn't. Yeah. So Keep going. Um, so th- those are the primary differences. So Flanagan was kind of, his thing was, he made it a sequel to the Kubrick movie. And therefore, it, the the hotel still stood. Um, you know, he brought other references in that the book did not bring in. He sort of brought in the ending to the first book and made it the ending to the second okay. book. Okay, Superman 2 it. It's the they right. like yeah, the yeah. the ending. The first book is Jack Torrance like in the burning down hotel yeah, yeah. Right. to That's save right. like, that's right. Like, there was no maze. In Stephen the King publicly he, said that he now this for this like redeems it for him. Yeah, it's so now Stephen King likes the Kubrick <laughs> movie because of this movie. Yeah, yeah, I it definitely so, tells a complete. Story. What a weird set of circumstances for a it's movie. So weird. I wish it was a hit for that reason. It's so <laughs> weird. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Yeah, I, I, I find that part fascinating. And, it's really cool. And the for me at least now it's been five years i read the book five years ago because i can't i think it came out in summer of 2014 i read it right when it came out yeah, yeah. um i was on a, i was on a kick i was reading like a book a week it was crazy um what are you smart <laughs> <laughs> i was pushing they were myself. all russian <laughs> right, right. Um, philosophy <laughs> the 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 part of the book that's kind of un i don't remember is the is the similar to many stephen king books is it sort of fizzles out Mm-hmm. Because it returns to the campsite, the campsite where the True Knot is sort of like their home base campsite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They live on the uh, the the ashes of the, the overlook. overlook. So there's like some so evil still they there. They like or feed something. on it. Yeah. So like he and it all like sort of climaxes there. So he sort of reverse engineered, you know, given all that he had to work with between The Shining and the book, you know, um, and I think it improves upon the book. I think it's like the best version of all the worlds combined. And and if he did just make a sequel to the book, that would have even been more of a disaster financially. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, imagine, like, wait, what? Imagine people getting excited for this without any Kubrick references. In yeah. It. I, it would have been a disaster. Yeah, not not. It could have been a good movie. I'm not saying that. I'm There's just... a ton of stuff out there with him talking about this, Mike yeah. Flanagan, because that the was decisions, the, the decision making that we don't need to go into. Right. But if you look it out there, he's he tell he explains all the decisions oh, I, and all the creative choices. I thought this was a sequel to Ready Player One. <laughs> I didn't. Isn't it kind of weird that we had these two recreations? I, I have to say, in the last like three can, years. Can yeah. I can I say something too? I think the Ready Player One recreation was stronger 
than the recreation. You mean like the, the sets? Just the visuals and the and the, the recreation, the purely the recreation part. Yes. I thought Ready Player One probably did it better. I think it, it's a Maybe. lens thing and it, stuff like that. You mean the the aesthetics. The aesthetic. What's weird I'm though purely is- talking about a visual yeah. Which we don't do which in the podcast. Do, yeah. but but I, it's very but instructive I, for the screenwriting yeah. listeners. Here, I'll say this. I'll say this about that because that's the, I wasn't going to bring it up, but yeah. since you're bringing yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what I loved about this movie cinematography-wise is the second we get into the Overlook, all the cinematography changes framing wise to Kubrick. I love it. Loved it. Yeah. I was like, it's such a subtle thing that is not pointed out, but it's like we go from all the standard Mike, Mike Flanagan's was shooting like the rest of the movie pretty traditionally. Yeah. And then the second you get in there, everything's framed well, right down angles. the center. Yeah. 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 It's, it's fucking great. Symmetrical. Yeah. But yeah. it's, but as far as like the grain and color timing, that was still in keeping with the rest of the movie. Whereas Ready, Ready Player One was literally like... It's not really a criticism. No, I know. <laughs> I, I, I was trying it. to give a reason for it. Yeah. Ready Player One was literally trying to mimic the film exactly. itself. That's a it great... was trying to do a this, perfect impersonation. This was doing the, 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 the aesthetic version of the actors playing the other actors right. from the old movie. Right. Yeah. So it's not... It's like... Yeah. It's a different thing. It's like three-fourths of the way there. You know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also a weird thing, again, not really related to the podcast, but... Kubrick, when he made, when everybody's he, signing off. Yeah, yeah like, oh God, we don't want to hear this. He wanted to make a haunted house movie that didn't have the creepy vibe. Yeah, so and yeah. this movie is like the hotel's rotted and stained mm-hmm. and yeah, healing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kubrick did have some creepy well, stuff in there. It, but it has been closed for forty years, so right? No, it should. It's totally motivated. It yeah. should. I'm just saying that gives a good reason why it might and not look identical. I was, to the I was expecting movie. like a thing where he would like. I was glad this didn't happen. I was expecting like he would walk in there, mm-hmm. and then it would all just like, like you know, CGI, back, like yeah. all get cleaned up in his mind ah. and turn and revert to like the eighties again. Yeah, suddenly he's I, on a little tricycle. Yeah, I, I was kind of. I was happy they didn't do anything <laughs> like that. I was, I was happy he didn't do that. How do I get off? Yeah, How right, do I get right. off this tricycle? Needed, I was expecting the tricycle change. Chase, yeah. But, uh, um, right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, no, I, I, I just, I was trying so, to defend the Ready Player One no, thing. So, so uh, let's talk about Mike Flanagan. Yes, yes. he's a local talk, guy. Yes. Uh, we Where, to, for the listeners out there who don't know what that means, he's a local guy. We're yeah. w- this podcast is recorded in Baltimore, Maryland. Yes, and we are all in the Baltimore film circles. And Mike Flanagan is one or two people, friends removed from all of us. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say who because, you know, but he's I not. I will. F- <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I don't care. But So I'm good friends with John Waters. And, no, I <laughs> he went to the he went to the college that I went to Towson? a few years apart from me when it did Towson University. That I when sometimes it, teach at. That Jamie sometimes teaches right, at. Right. That when I was going there and when Mike Flanagan was going there, they didn't have a film program. So, you know, that's interesting that, you know, he went on to these heights and he didn't even have a film program to graduate from. I mean, and before he made his short, he shot he's the DP on a movie of one of our friends. Yeah, that's just this is all ancient history. Okay, and then second and and we can bounce off of each other Mm -hmm. with this. uh, So to put it in perspective, his career trajectory um, and it's very instructive, I think, for writers out there. my first feature that I wrote and co-wrote and produced, uh, Book of Lore, in 2006, played in a film festival in California. And alongside it, his short, Oculus, 
and he didn't have anything else yeah. uh, played alongside ours. And we had just made our first feature and he's only at the short film stage. Yeah. And it was a shot on video short called Oculus. It's and on YouTube, I believe. It's you, on YouTube. Yeah, it's yeah. on the extras of the Oculus, Oculus DVD, DVD yeah, and yeah. Blu-ray. And um, it just goes to show you uh, how quickly things can change for you you know in the in the 13 years since he's made i think six feature films and you know the netflix he's literally series. from what friends have told me one of his dreams was to make gerald's game like that was his right wow. that was his like yeah, yeah. like you know when you're like you, like we all now we probably all in our mind have like that dream that we're like i wish i could just i if i could do anything i do that he did that and now he made the sequel to The Shining. It's just amazing. That's insane. The and he kickstarted. So from Oculus, he kickstarted Absentia for twenty three thousand dollars at the right. beginning of Kickstarter. So, like twenty eleven, um, and then you know they made a feature film that was. I don't think it. I think it's shot on video. That's I, not surprising because right. Oculus yeah. is shot on video. So he did it himself. He created a brand for himself, and you know Chris McQuarrie just had that big thread about you know learning how to do it yourself like the way to get your stuff out there is making i'm constantly preaching this like the best way to kind of you know get your stuff seen and start a career is to just start learning how to make this stuff and i i think with that chris mcquarrie thing there was even a read between the lines that making it yourself is almost insurance against the disappointment that's going to come because if you're making it yourself and you're just doing it for that reason then you don't care if you never get a yeah. billion dollars. Right. Took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, yeah. all three of us. I was going to us... say, don't make stuff to become the Mike, next Mike Flanagan. You make stuff because you want to make it. That's, right? yeah. That's I'm the sorry. best. I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I know. I'm, no, I knew. I know I'm you weren't saying, saying that. that <laughs> but it's and, coming out like well, that. And I think that's a byproduct. <laughs> no, I, that's, 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 <laughs> yeah. a, that's a part of his thread because I think that's, he basically says that's a byproduct. You're still doing the thing. But you're changing the goalposts. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? That's so we're all doing the same well thing. Said. We're just changing the victory conditions. Right. Instead of the victory conditions being somebody's going to discover me, I'm going to get an agent, whatever. It's going to be, I'm going to make something. And that's what his basic idea yeah. is, I think. That's and he also said in that thread, like instead, like, instead of just being grumpy and saying, well, if I had this and I had that and I could do that, do it. And, yeah. and you know it might not it might not be the best thing even, but you still did it. <laughs> yeah, you still kind of lived your dream, even though it's not right the specific. Right. You know. Yeah. And I can say right now, I I talk about this a lot. Short films have kind of made this weird comeback in the horror business in the last few years. Yeah, yeah. Where there are several cases you can point to people making short horror films that then went on to make movies. There's obvious ones like Mama, Lights Out, and uh, Lights Out mm -hmm. is, a, is a popular uh, one. Well, not, his short, the Fede Alvarez. Fede Alvarez is a little He made that still. robot short, and yeah. then he became the, a horror director. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. The, there was a movie called The Pact not too long ago. Yeah. District 9. District 9. Uh, but yeah. now there's District a, yeah. just wow. last year, like, because I followed this stuff, but like Amblin bought like three, two, maybe it was two different short films to make into features. Um, Ghost House bought like two of them. They bought the rights. And now those, the guys who made them are, the writer directors of their first feature film, yeah, and these are like little two minute kind of like yeah, cars but they segment. they tell a complete story because so so um for people who don't know I I read amateur scripts all day that's my job and a lot of people will send me um a short that they're planning on being like a proof of concept for the feature, mm -hmm. but the problem is it's just a scene right. 
it's not a proof of concept for the feature. It doesn't tell a complete story. Yeah, yeah. And I think you can tell a complete story in a scene. I'm not saying you can't do that. A scene but should like, be a short film, kind of. There's right. Yeah, right. There should but be a you satisfying watch, yeah, catharsis. If you that. watch these things like Lights Out and Oculus, Oculus the short tells a complete story. It is a movie that is like eight minutes long. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I would just say if you are going to do that, don't take like this random scene. Take something that encapsulates what you want to do on a grander scale. As someone who like like wades in shorts all the time, I definitely prefer a short that tells a complete story. Right. I've seen plenty of shorts that are just like a moment in time type of thing. Yeah. I'm not a fan. Like yeah. Well, I, and I'm, I'm talking not about from a career yeah. standpoint, trying to create yeah. your brand. It yeah. it seems like these these success stories that you're bringing up are they telling complete stories they, they, some of them are i think they all have some kind of cathartic ending okay maybe there's a to be continued at the end okay a lot of them are just horror scenes that give you a bit they're almost like the teaser before the movie okay you know, so they are the evil. just scenes well, okay in some ways they are scenes like it's a guy in a room and there's something making a noise and it right. turns out but, the noise was him all along ima- right? imagine just as a bad example imagine if the drew barrymore opening to scream was yeah it's a short film movie. that's a short that's film right yeah that's a short like film. that's a, sort of like that. yeah yeah um, yeah and i i so the only the last plug before we get to the true screenwriting is i will say that if you make these there's no better way to advance your screenwriting knowledge than to put something on its feet and try to film it. Yep. You're going to learn about tr- transitions and pacing and too much dialogue and what works and not and on the nose and all this stuff. Also, all you're going to find your just, voice. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the best way to learn about your screenwriting. Also, making shorts can be something you enjoy doing. And that <laughs> could be, you meet- at this point in time, that could also be an end goal. Yes. Yeah. Meet- We've got the internet, YouTube. Amazon Prime, you can make shorts. That could be what you do. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just. I know. And I'm, they're I'm out be there that forever, guy. and that's what's great. Right. Like, yeah, I've. I mean, we just. Me I'm and, a me, huge. I am constantly preaching to people like who are stuck, and they're like, "What do I do?" Like, they're asking me questions. I, you know, yeah, asking the wrong questions. Like, how do I sell my script? Well, have you tried making something first? Since you're not not getting any progress and seeing what comes from that and the relationships that are grown from those right, th- right. those experiences that lead to bigger things and lead to somebody like what kind of scripts do you have like let me check it out so yeah give it a shot yep this was off brand for us but i think it was a good discussion Dude. to have with flanagan and everything yes he's, yes. A, he's yeah. an inspiration he's an a, inspiration he's an inspiration and don't yeah just make he's, some make stuff don't expect Expect the worst, hope for the best. I absolutely didn't mean to frame it like you should hope to be Mike Flanagan. (laughs) I'm just saying he's a great example of what could happen. Make a Stephen King movie. Yeah, just make a movie and then you'll get this to do the biggest (laughs) sequel that (laughs) flopped. Most of the shorts I see of people who I know are making stuff to get noticed, I don't like. Mm-hmm. But the people who are just making stuff because they really wanted to make that short, yeah, those are the ones I love. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's what I was trying to say. That's all. Gotcha. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like this thing. This is gonna be my ticket. <laughs> this is gonna be my calling card. I don't mean that. Calling cards, I, I hate. <laughs> anyway, so, so ju- jumping in is Doctor Sleep. It's a weird movie. In some weird ways. movie, it's a weird cheeseburger. A weird cheeseburger. So, uh, and what is a cheeseburger, real quick, so we can remind well, our audience? A, a Popeye's chicken sandwich. Like, <laughs> no. When we say cheeseburger, we just mean like the, uh, like you know, the standardized movie with a normal three structure, act structure, big movie, make, fun making, and games, making movies for uh, Friday night, making money, that kind of thing. Extremely 
uh, digestible and easy. And, and appeals appeals to many people, yes. not just a certain niche target audience. Right. Um, like normal blockbuster Hollywood movies. Most of what we talk about on this podcast most is cheeseburgers. Except, right. Except like, maybe adaptation. That was the only one that might not have been yeah. a cheeseburger. There's a maybe reason we're not going to have a Lars von Trier episode because you can't <laughs> you can't talk about that script. That's right. Oh right. Right. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, for that, what do you think? And it's a horror movie. The Shining was obviously a monster in the house movie as far as Blake Snyder calls it. Yes. So the Save the Cat model, he has these different genres. Uh, monster in the house, full triumphant, out of the bottle, and they really—they're patterns that that many movies have that you can kind of follow. They're like kind of the ten or I can't remember how many he has the ten different types of stories that are told over and over again. And one of them is Monster in the House, which is usually a horror movie. Um, the Shining has one of these, and Monster in the House elements usually are there is a monster, so the ghosts or whatever mm-hmm. in the, the you know in the hotel. There's usually a house or the hotel, the hotel in The Shining yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. the evil inside of it. Yeah. And then there's usually a sin that brings about the mm-hmm. evil in The Shining. What would you say? There's a couple things I could see. Uh, uh, I think they're the same in both movies. Okay. It's addiction. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely, you know, that element. I actually I, I saw an interview where uh, Ewan McGregor and Mike Flanagan said this this movie, whereas The Shining is about addiction, this movie is about recovery. Right. Okay. So that was kind of the theme. Yeah, definitely. And I, we're going to talk about so, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is the sh- is is Dr. Sleep a monster in the house? What do you think? So uh, it's tough. It's messy. It's messy. Because I think there is a house and it's their minds. Yeah. Um, Which is and very common. That you say yeah. psychological. Do you mean? I mean, Dan, Abra, even the, even the True Knot and their minds, specifically Rose. Um, and... And uh, I think the house is, uh, yeah, inside the mind, but it's not mind, consistent. We'll call, it, we'll call it mind space. Mind that? space. That's mind good. space. Yeah. Maybe the dream, yeah. Dr. Mm-hmm. Sleep. Mm-hmm. Maybe dream, the dream state is is the is the house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, because. It's not an easy answer. No. It's not. It's no. not. It's, so it's really not. When I, when I was watching, I was, having, I was struggling with this for a couple reasons. It yeah. sort of becomes more of a monster in the house as time goes on. Yeah. Well. Yeah, pretty directly. I, yeah, pretty <laughs> yeah. directly. Yeah, but I, I, I was almost thinking, and I was debating. I'm like, is this one? I can't tell. And honestly, in the beginning, and this is maybe something audience members might find uncomfortable. Doesn't feel like The Shining in the first half. Of the movie. Not it doesn't at all. Have no, this, it, no, it doesn't know, at all. It doesn't all. feel like the same genre or anything. Mm-mm. Um, which isn't a problem, but maybe that is a problem to people that saw that trailer. Trailer, yeah. shining, 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 and they go to the movie. It's like where's it's that catch twenty two. Uh, it's like they t- it is a totally different movie. Totally different. Yeah. Which I think but, is why we like it. Yeah. You know, that's why well, it's not just the same. You don't have beats. to redo the shining. Yeah. The shining's yeah, been done. Shining. It's done, done. did. Yeah. Right. We've, <laughs> right. Seen, we've seen the miniseries, we've seen the ripoffs, we've right. seen all yeah. all right, right. Uh but so I was debating while I was watching, and again, this is just usually the way genres are used or to help you write a story yes it's yeah. a construction right. technique it, yes. yeah it helps you brainstorm because you're yeah. like do i have that element do, do i need it like yeah. what types of things are found 
I this would, this functions to me like almost a vampire movie. Well, yes, or, a little bit. In, in some but, ways, in some ways, like I was even a lot of times it reminded me of Near Dark. Yes, but the protagonist isn't the same. Yeah, you know? Near Dark. Yeah. I think it's, it's got pieces. It's very. Of it. it got. It's not exactly the same, yeah. but it definitely made it's gave me that. You know, yeah, vampires. Yeah, yeah. Kind of no, thing. that's how. That's why I started to fall in love with it. I was like, yeah. this is giving me some like it's, some vibes <laughs> here that was yeah. not expected. I think in Near Dark, the heroes are part of the traveling yeah, band. Yeah, so it's a little different. It's different. Yes. I honestly started to think of it, and I'm not sure. Th- there's no right or wrong answer. This is all. Like, yeah. But I was thinking it could even be like a superhero. It genre. has a lot of superhero elements. It yeah. feels like, I don't know how much he arcs after his initial arc. He kind of becomes a good person. He being Danny. 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 Uh, okay. he, and it almost feels like a superhero story where he's that guy but doesn't want to do the thing. And then once he does it, he pretty much just goes for it. And he like has John McClane of, of Shining. Yeah, it's and it almost feels like yeah. a lot of superhero origin stories. Even though this isn't a total origin story, it's almost like the recovery. Yeah, it's kind of this thing where they become who they are, and then at the midpoint, the real story kicks off. Yeah, and that's almost what this movie that felt is, like at times. Yeah, like okay, now the villain's aware of them, and they have to deal with that. Yeah, and now they have to use their superpower to destroy the villain. Right. And it like Spider Man or something. Yeah. You know, the first half of the movie is getting bit by the radioactive spider, denying right. it, wondering right. what's up. And yeah. at the midpoint, it's like, oh, Green Goblin's in town. We better I gotta deal with Green Goblin. And the B story is the Green Goblin. You follow yeah. the Green Goblin doing their thing or something. Right, right. Superman the same way. You know, you follow Luthor in the back. Uh, right. Luthor. 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 Mr. Luthor? Yeah. <laughs> Luthor. Luthor. Um yeah. yeah. But yeah, you follow you follow Le- we'll call him Lex in the background. <laughs> yeah. And then at the midpoint they become kind of they intersect and they, they start the battle. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So in some ways and again, there's no right or wrong answers to yeah. this. But in some ways if I was if I was like breaking the story in an outline and I was like trying to figure out I had this this villainous group and I had this guy going through recovery and they're not even aware of each other. Um maybe it's this other thing you know yeah. as a whole movie yeah but then it has elements of monster in the house later and it brings them thing, in yeah. yeah yeah so there's really no right or wrong answer but anyway that was where i was i the superhero one is is i didn't think either of you were going to bring that up but oh, I, I, that's I mean, the whole, it, the whole it, time it i thought like i vampires and superheroes i was like these are two th- things i did not expect yeah <laughs> at all yeah it's yeah i um, it reminded me a lot, and I'll come back to this when we get into some of our later points. It reminded me a ton of Luke's story in The Last Jedi. Oh, he's like, oh, wow, he's yeah, not, he's, 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 Jimmy just wants people to be pissed at this dis- podcast. <laughs> he's yeah. disconnected from the shine, blue milk. He's been doing right. everything, <laughs> <Not a booze. laughs> he's been, <laughs> yeah, drinks yeah. the blue milk is the booze, That's the booze, right? Um, yeah. he's doing everything in his power to not use his power and he's completely disconnected and i think that this movie is saying especially the second time i saw it i I went back he had a boyhood trauma with his father (laughs) um yeah (laughs) shit um he he's doing dan is doing everything in his power to not use his shine obi-wan's in this movie yeah i know that's what (laughs) And oh, it's meta. <laughs> Bob is so mad right now. No, no, I'm not. I just did, I just didn't even think There's about a Holloran Force Ghost. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. No, you're right. Obi Wan. Yeah. Um, you're right. No, but um, and then and the story is kind of saying that because Dan has refused to use his shine, he has allowed the true knot to grow into power. And like, I think this story is saying that if Dan had like 
uh, gotten recovered earlier, all these kids would have been, he would have gotten rid of the true knot. Like he's he's on par with Abra. He's just so damaged. He doesn't have as 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 much. He's rusty and damaged. Yeah. He's, so I mean, and it. like, dude, she's Ray. And and that's what I'm saying. It's so no. I'm I the I, second I time I'm the second convinced. time no, I was no, like, I'm holy shit. Yeah. It's I'm so laughing. much like Luke and Ray in the Last Jedi. And the midpoint is the same. The midpoint is the is. I was literally saying to Jimmy. Before you got know, here, how <laughs> annoyed I am at people shitting on the Last Jedi in their Mandalorian reviews. I'm <laughs> saying I'm using it as a positive. <laughs> I know, but I was just saying, like, God, I can't stand people talking about the Last Jedi. I'm anymore. sorry. No, it's fine. No, it's but like, it's a good in the, point. And the midpoint, it has is, validity. Uh, is the same uh, in the midpoint of the Last Jedi. Luke uses the Force for the first time to reach out to Leia. In the midpoint of this, he uses the Shine for the first time to talk to Abra. Yeah, it's yeah. the exact same yeah. midpoint. Well, well you yeah. know what? You know what's interesting? Yeah, and then you're right. From there, yeah, you're right. he starts using his powers. It's he just, fucking astral projects. Yeah. It's like so. <laughs> and, and God, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Stephen King's such a hack. No, <laughs> he, he ripped it off before he saw them. Um, but I and I think that's really instructive because you wouldn't call Last Jedi a monster in the house. It doesn't feel like right. One. Yeah. So I think that, and that's the point. Horror movies aren't always monster in the house. Movies. Right. That's what we're trying and, to. And monster make in the house movies here. aren't always horror movies. Right. Like what about Bob or something? Could be a monster. <laughs> yeah, in monster the house in the house. Um, yes. Good oh, cable God, guy. That's a good pull. Great yeah, cable, cable guy. Mon- yeah. All kinds of movies like that. Yes. So yeah. it's obsessive it's, weirdos. It, Yes. And, and I think right. that speaks to the power. If you're interested in checking these genres out in the Blake Snyder books, um, that's why they're useful because you can you don't they're not so obvious like oh this is a formula to make a horror movie. And for those it's who don't story. know, it's Blake's it's the second book. Blake Blake Snyder uh, uh, Save the Cat goes, goes to, the, to movies. the movies. That yeah. it's both books also really talk like, about would it would also that's fall into this genre like any movie where the person is it's not a not like uh, I think. It, like paranormal activity how it's the person that has the demon attached to them not you know what i mean mm-hmm. like no matter where they go yeah. they are being tormented yeah. it is not the location it's their actual being they're being you yeah. know what i mean it's still monster well, in the house but there's no actual right. house so, that matters so right that, that's, right yes that's what you guys are saying yeah. and speaking to the house part so this was my uncomfortableness watching this movie a little bit because right. i'd seen the shining the shining's a very tense movie right i'm it's very all tense, tense. Yeah. i'm like Knotted up watching The Shining. Like, that's me watching The Shining. It's all tone. This movie didn't have a lot of tension for me. Mm. And I'll, and that said, I still really like the movie, but I was expecting the tension. I didn't get that because, and I'll tell you a couple reasons why. One, I don't think it has a defined house. I, do, I think he could yeah. have avoided the horror if he want, if he chose to. Yeah, a drama. This and, would have been a great drama. And and so could, uh, what's her name? I'm sorry. Abra? Uh, Ray. Uh, no, I just, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, she could have also um, avoided the had drama. Had her there, own. There was, yeah. a, um, you guys usually bring it up. You do. Uh, there was kind of a why now aspect too, to it, right? I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. I was also asking why now. That, that's mm-hmm. that's tied totally into it they are not trapped they're right. not a lock into the thing for a really i don't mind time. it yeah. not no, having I, that I, I, i'm just saying it is yeah. different it is it's, that's it's, why it's it such feels a, i think it's that's what i like about different it movie than the shining yes it's you know it, it does it's like yeah. not on brand as far as tone <laughs> at all I'll, I'll even go one further that was kind of a weird tension thing for me for a horror writer or horror making yeah is well, we get the POV of the villain, and we actually like kind of like the villain. I mean, mm-hmm. she's scary in some ways, but she's not really scary. I mean, she's bad. But we kind of she's she you know the whole group of them are kind of 
they're okay. It's kind of like near dark where they have their problems. But I'd also say that the heroes seem more powerful than the villain at times. Mm -hmm. And that's a weird thing to do for tension. It shifts the tension where I, I always... I almost felt like they had the upper hand most of the movie, if not all of the movie. You mean the naivete of the true not thinking they're more powerful, and we as the audience have the superior position yeah, that we, well, they're more powerful. Abra, we know that Abra, Abra and Danny yes. can like kind of like just destroy them. They kick their ass. Yeah, they kick their and ass. And they always so, had yeah. a plan. They yeah. always like, uh, you know, th there was really never a time where I feared for and standardly and, yeah which is weird for a horror, horror movie, movie quote unquote yeah. it's a weird tension angle for I a horror i think what movie. why it works there's many things and and i i, I want to get back to some of the other monster in the house elements too cuz i think they're really we good we have some more stuff yeah. to talk about yeah. um the, I, this is not on the beat on the talking points is right i think why there's why it works is they show us um in graphic detail the end that we fear for Abra so much that we have this like we know what it looks like if with they the, with the little boy with the little boy with yeah. Violet they hint at it and then with the little boy so like even though there's like this feeling that Abra and Dan are more powerful it's like if things go wrong we know exactly how much she's gonna suffer and I think that, that like is very add, powerful. I want to add on too that while I agree with what Jamie said mm -hmm. I also think that this is a story where I can totally believe that Danny and Abra, number one, Abra, her, she has no clue what she actually is. Yes. Not until the end. Right. And Danny has no confidence in himself. I mean, right. this is, he's so ashamed. That's, yeah. That's the, we like, it's obvious to the audience that if these two can lock in their power and learn to do, you know, have that the yeah. Captain Marvel moment, like, yeah. oh, yeah, you know, and yeah. I, like they're totally in control, but we don't have that until the, you know, what yeah. I would say almost at the overlook. That's yeah, right. that's right. So that kind of, they could beat them, but they don't know the extent of their actual power. That's right. So that kind of sells it for me there. Yeah. 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 Right. But I think what Jamie's right? bringing up is really no, interesting I think it's a valid and true. Point. Yeah. No, it's, I, just, yeah. Yeah. it's kind of fascinating to me that. For and again, it's, it's not a tense movie. It's not a very tense movie. <laughs> not think, until the end. Yeah. I think yeah. this. It's like what what's great but I is think he was saving it for the end. I, yeah, I think yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's why I, I think yeah. it's kind of. It reminds me of Jaws in that way. Yeah, where the yeah. third oh, act's yeah. really big. Yeah, like the third act's the whole reason he wanted to make. Yeah, the and, the, exactly. and the first two thirds is yeah. people hanging out talking about sharks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to talk about the sin a little more. Do, yeah. do you want to? You you do a great job of like explaining the sin. The sin. Yeah, the, sin. The, so theories, the sin is usually the techniques. Yeah. The sin is usually just. And it really is one of the eye-opening things about the monster in the house. It's kind of obvious once you see it. But most of these movies have some thematic sin that that is, you know, the heroes do. You, sometimes it's not there. Sometimes it's like we... we um, Before the story started, yeah, we, even. we built a house on top of uh, yeah. uh, grave, <laughs> graveyards, right. gravestones. The it's, kids at Crystal Lake had sex. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's right. simple yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So, yeah. and that's all the sin really is. But most horror movies, almost all of them, all the good ones at least, have some sin. And, and sometimes what's the metaphor. sin in the original Shining? I think it's addiction. I, I the, think the alcohol and, and not and not yeah. just uh, and not just from Jack, but from the other people, um, the ghosts that you meet and you hear about who they are and their stories. Um, addiction or abuse or something there. Abuse, something. yeah, yeah, yeah. Something yeah. I mean, they have Dan and and Dan and Jack have almost the exact same character makeup. Yeah. Um, 
for this, I was like struggling. And then once I hit it, I was like, yeah, it's pretty obvious. And usually the sin will be expressed in many different ways, like yeah. through many different characters, through like set pieces, through situations. And in this one, I think what it is, because like I want to make it clear, like I'm, I weren't. I don't think anybody anybody here is saying that like addiction is a sin, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, sure, but it's from no. like a cinematic standpoint. We're so, talking like, like in script terms, right? Like, so I yeah, think yeah. I think the phrasing is more like recklessness and irresponsibility caused by a- allowing addiction to control you and to control your life. And if you look at like all the story, Abra brings on the monster because she refuses to stop looking in. She's abusing her power. So she's sort of like drunk on her new power. And all she has to do to keep herself safe is to stop looking in, but she can't because she, she, you know, she wants to help this boy and she wants to stop. So curiosity killed the cat. So exactly. Yeah. But that's because she's abusing her power. It's addiction. And then Dan's addiction kept him from uh, like nurturing Abra, from like finding Abra, nurturing others, and kept him from like stopping the true not all these years because he's been he allowed his addiction to control his shine and then the true knots out of control addiction is what leads to their demise because they can't stop themselves they're like addicted to steam i mean if you watch those scenes it's all shot like they're snorting coke yeah. oh I mean, yeah, yeah like drug like, addicts yeah they're, they are like it's like a For band sure. of addicts who are, i would assume the book would even probably use that imagery oh right? i'm sure yeah like stephen king i, I yeah. just stephen king. And, and 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 so <laughs> like in order to defeat rose in the true knot how's dan gonna shine He's got to overcome like his demons and like control his addiction. Like so, it's all about like re- recovery, like you said. Right. Yeah. There's there's a certain amount of it too. I and I really don't have an answer. I think that's a, a good point. It's um, with great power comes great yes. responsibility. You know, I really um, felt well, that for, yes. for Danny especially, and for then Danny, Abra. Her. It's it's figuring out the balance. Like what. Do I do with but this they're power? abusing their power in wrong way? In ways. the beginning, yeah. she's One, abusing her. Abra Danny, is abusing Danny her power. Danny doesn't live up to his potential, whereas she is like almost abusing it. Yeah, they're right. both yeah, sides yeah, of the right. coin. And then the bad yeah, yeah, guys yeah, are absolutely. totally abusing it. Totally, for and that's it's right. all expressions um, of that. And, yeah, and usually, you know, when we talk about good villains, so it's responsibility is basically what we're all extent. circling around. I, is I responsibility. think the addiction case, he's using the addiction to deny his responsibility, avoid responsibility. Yeah, and I think. I think what so when you have great villains, but he also didn't know of this world as much. He well, he did, he and about, he refused to acknowledge, acknowledge it. it I yeah, guess. he just kind yeah. of locked them away in the box. Yeah, yeah, he. Uh, he's well, I meant the true knots I, at the I very see. beginning. Yeah, I'm saying he he would have. Yeah, like a few, uh, like maybe a year later. You know, in 1981, yeah. if he, also, they would have come Side note, him. I'd love to count the, how many times Steven Spielberg has depicted memories as file cabinets in your brain. <laughs> there, how many times has he done that? It seems you like Stephen King. Stephen King. He said Spielberg. Oh, Spielberg. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, it seems like I, I can think of like five movies where the, mm. it's all depicted as your head is a, yeah. a room filled with filing <laughs> cabinets. Yeah. Right? yeah. SSD. In, uh, SSD, in right? Yeah, yeah. Same right. shit, different day. When you yeah, write yeah, as yeah. much as him, you got to you gotta have that filing cabinet yeah. imagery, right? Um, yeah. But, uh, man, so, so yeah. So, and the, I was going to say- a, That's a hard question. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say about the villains. And, and villains, when you make a good villain in these kind of movies, so a good villain often, well, number one, you always hear the thing that the villain is the hero of their story, right? But one thing I, I often hear of with villains is that they're very similar to the hero, but they're kind of the hero without any moral qualms about mm-hmm. just doing the thing. Spot yeah. on. And, and that's exactly what we, we, we see, see here. here. It's like yeah. these kind of polar opposites. Yeah. yeah. So then you can kind of, 
if let's say it is, let's say the theme is about responsibility and how to use the power and that stuff, you can kind of wage a, a debate over the course of a movie. One side is doing this, one side's doing that, and another side is doing that. And then, you know, come to a happy medium in the end or, right. or somebody finds the yeah. balance and, that's and, where you and whoever wins out. Yeah. And, and, and the villain is also there to, yeah, to teach the audience and the character a lesson and they're like the opposite side of the lesson. And sometimes their side might look a little more attractive and, and, and like win out in the argument. Right. Sometimes the, the actual piece might have you actually start like, like black Panther or something. Have you start to actually sympathize? The audience sympathizes with the actual villain. Absolutely. I don't think that happens here since they're eating kids. But <laughs> I think that's the one down tick. I, yeah, that's it's, it. Yeah. Those rooting influencers, and I didn't break down the rooting influencers. How for dare that. you, Jimmy? Everyone's <laughs> but, favorite. <laughs> uh, we talked about in the last episode. Last episode for those who yeah. didn't listen, uh, rooting influencer techniques, and there they are ways that you get the audience things that you have the character experience or do that makes the audience care about them and, and the true knots have they some. have they have them. and then and, and then you they can use them <laughs> and and you can you know manipulate the audience that way by giving them the rooting influencers and then suddenly turning them on their head and well, that's what like, this one does if there was like an anti-rooting influencers list the top number one is like violently killing a child well so it's the opposite <laughs> like, right loves right? kids kills kids, kills we, kids. And, and if you flip that over loves right, kids right. that's a rooting influencer so if yeah. you take those same rooting influencer strategies and you reverse them that's how you get like a feeling of of hate and scare and fear over a character, but I, I I found a quote from um, Rebecca Ferguson who plays mm -hmm. Rose, and it speaks exactly to what we were just talking about. I, I didn't put put my finger on the responsibility aspect of it, but mm -hmm. I really do think that addiction is like staving off responsibility. Mm -hmm. Now yeah. that you're saying yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. She said in. she said I loved the human aspect of Rose the Hat. What she just wants to do is love, support, and serve her family. And that's responsibility, you know, and and that's like this aspect of them that we're like, we understand you at least understand why they're doing what they're doing. Right. Right. And that's like that's it's powerful. clear cut. Yeah. It's yeah. not confusing. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what makes them great villains. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And they also all they, they're cool. <laughs> they are. <They're laughs> that's another thing. I, mean, I know it's a small thing, but like they, like Danny's kind of a bummer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, yeah, he's kind of boring. He's boring. He's yeah. well. He's boring attic. He bummer. works on kids' trains and lives in an attic. Right. Yeah. He's no I have a bummer. Whereas they're like these cool, like you know, yeah, Fleetwood Mac. Uh, something. Yeah, yeah. They're like what a traveling. Yeah, they're a traveling band. Of, yeah, yeah. Roadies. Like they're yeah. cool people. Um. So in the outline is a good question. You wrote. I think it was you. Um. Is there a half man? Yeah, that's so, a good question. So Half Man is uh, monster, Thank another you. monster in the house element that's not always there, but usually there, and it's usually somebody that's encountered the beast, and sometimes that beast has literally left them torn in half. <laughs> and the most famous one we always point to is Quint. That's where the Quint. label Quint. came from. It's another Blake Snyder term. It's another. It, it's another one that's part of the monster. In the Quint house. from Jaws is a half man. Half man. They're often right. a mentor. They often know how to. You know, like I said, they've dealt with the beast. They might have a plan how to defeat it. Right. Like and that. it's pretty obvious. I 
I mean, I would say it's pretty obvious yeah. that it's Danny, it, right? I no, uh, I think uh. it's Dick. You think it's Dick? I think, in by the end, Danny really? is the half man. Oddly enough, I don't think Dan is the half man. Really? In this story? No, I don't. Okay. I think I, he, I'm listening. I think he still is sort of in naivete Abra mode right. until the end. Is it until the end. Yeah. I think. Um, I think Dick knows the bigger picture, the yeah. wider world. I mean, Dick got killed. Um, <laughs> yeah, Dick is killed, he, right. He's a half man, and he's, he warns him about bigger forces and more evil and stuff. He's right. got the He's got his eye on the higher thing. I think he was the half man in the first one. In the movie first too. one, he's he, yeah. he's, he is the, yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's I, I wrote down on the paper, sorry, Bob, I wrote Dick Obi-Wan Hollerin <laughs> because like he was... Alive I mean, in the he's first also, movie, yeah, and now he's a ghost. He's a force ghost. Movie. Yeah, he's a shine ghost now. <laughs> he's a shine ghost, right? Yeah. And um, God, yeah. it could just be the force. <laughs> it no, really I know. Could. Yeah, the shine is the force. The shine is the um, force. But uh, and he gives. So uh, he, I always look how I'm defining the half man yeah, for yeah, me yeah. from a construction standpoint is who's gonna give the praise of the killer speech and who has the knowledge and experience to give the praise of the killer speech. Which Danny. What he does have that, he but he does do you it. You know where he gets it from, though. He's just Dick. spouting what Dick says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I guess he, that the makes things sense that he says. To Danny Abra, was what age in The Shining? He's what um, five, he's six, like, six, five. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, he probably yeah, and he the has, trauma is all he can remember. He can't remember and he, specifics. And he he shut out The Shine ever right, since. Right. So he's yeah. only had like that one experience. Yeah. Um, well, now he has. Had a lifetime of putting them in the boxes. Right. So in that sense, that's he has. true. He's yeah. constantly tortured by the. Constantly tortured. He's yeah. like the half man of Shining. Yes. Yes. He's the half man, man of, of Shining, Shining. But in this movie, but he's not the half man of like the specifics of what's happening in the story. Right. 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 Okay. So yeah, the praise. So praise of the killer speech. It, it took us like thirty episodes to bring it up once, and I feel like we've done it like ten times <laughs> since. Um, this is something I learned in a Robert McKee horror uh, seminar, and it's basically where, and it works in comedies. It works in dramas. It works in any genre, whoever the antagonist is. There's someone who's wise and has experience with the antagonist. And for horror movies, it's usually somebody who's like survived the monster, like you said. Mm-hmm. And Quint. uh and Quint, yeah. Yeah. And they give like Quint's I mean the the Indianapolis, <laughs> the Indianapolis is the ultimate speech. praise of the killer speech. Yeah, Charles is kind um, of the blueprint for all yeah. this. Man. Um yeah. uh, and and Dick gives one of my favorite praise of the killer speeches I've heard in a very long time, and it's like the perfect. Yeah, it it warns the the character and the audience about the the pa- the power of the villain that they're trying to face, and he says, "If these empty devils ever found you when you was a tyke, you'd be dead. They eat screams and drink pain, and they notice that little girl. They might kill her, might turn her, or might keep her until she's all used up, and that would be worst of all." You can't let them. It's like, yes. I mean, and from from then on, like, the audience and Dan understands, like, okay, like, we have to do something about this. That's the moment that that changes Dan's mind. Right, right. Yeah, like, the praise of the killer speech. He has, it's his personal lock-in, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. When he actually decides to do something. Which is pretty late in the movie. Oh, my God. How how late was that? Like, 54 minutes. Oh, wow. You were keeping track of the time? That's why I went back the second time. Oh, wow. Time it. So yes. I, yeah, I mean, wow. if we jump to that, the weird structure. Yeah, let's yeah, jump weird to it. structure. Yeah, to that. So fifty-four minutes—that's the lock-in. So when we <laughs> when we talk about structure, I I like to to figure out what the lock-in basically meaning the moment where the hero has a goal. There's an obstacle in the way. There's some big stakes. You know, if they don't accomplish the goal, 
And the hero, there's like, it's kind of a point of no return. Like the hero right. has to do something or decides to do something. Right. And there's no turning back really. And that one happens at 54 minutes in. How long is that movie? Two and a half hours? Yeah, maybe? a little bit. A with little a bit. long It's actually third longer act. than The Shining. Yeah, with a yeah. long third act. Yes. You know, it's a, it's a weird <laughs> lopsided movie in that it kind of has a long third act. So yes. we don't need to go into like complete logline dis- d- construction, but what do you think the logline yeah. of this and, is? And when I try to figure out the logline, <laughs> when I try to figure out the logline, I always try to figure out who the hero is, what the goal is, what the obstacle and the stakes. So question number one is, who's the hero of this movie? Well, Abra. It, it, in some ways, it could, could be. Could be Abra or it could be Dan. I, I, I think the, the, like, like Pet Cemetery we were talking about in the Pet Cemetery podcast. The 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 like commercial logline of this is, uh, I mean, like, I can pull up the commercial logline. Yeah, it's like Dan. Well, it's about on. Dan helping Abra. It's probably very vague. It's about Dan logline. helping Abra, yeah. right? And yeah. and it's that lock in. Yeah, fifty four minutes. Right. Like start helping her. Yeah. If if uh. Years following the events of The Shining, a now adult Dan Torrance must protect a young girl with similar powers from a cult known as the True Knot, who prey on children with powers to remain immortal. Yeah. Right. That's it. There you so, go. Fifty and 54 minute mark. And what this movie, I think, does for better or worse, and I, I could almost argue another version of it that doesn't do this, but it has a lot of almost like biopic-like history. Right. Where it jumps super quick from you know from cradle to grave almost you know yeah, it has yeah, to yeah, do yeah. that thing so we have to get a quick hit of him in bar fights and yeah and stealing people's money and then we get a quick hit of hey i want to recover then he's recovered then he's yeah. you know so it's super fast and if it was a biopic we'd be like a damn bohemian rhapsody story <laughs> right, right, right. you know it's like a lifetime movie they, they go through it fast enough that it's never boring and we're interested because it's danny torrance you know but that part of it. The question think, is, does it work it. for someone who does? Has Why does this? Shining? Yeah, I, that's. I want to talk yeah. about. Does it work? The first half. I I was a little worried about the movie in the first half. I was like, uh oh, what is this movie? I didn't know anything about it, and I didn't even know that logline, so I didn't even know where it was going. Yeah, the true I, so I've never read the book. Like, mm-hmm. I don't. I never heard of the true knots of my life. I didn't read the book. <laughs> I didn't know. I and knew, they are equally terrifying in the book, for which all I was I, excited that they captured them so well. For all I knew, this was him going back to the hotel for the entire movie. Me too. That's Me too. Wow. I literally thought that's what I was getting. The poster is a shot of I know. the tricycle. How about that? The marketing for this movie is a mess. Yeah. It's just such a mess. But I had no clue this was going to be like them in the woods shooting people. <laughs> I was like, okay. That, that part was a little weird to me, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was well, weird. But I, the tone... I, I like the fact that it's not that movie. I like the I, weirdness. I, I yeah. broke down. So. I think it's. I think this is a five act movie. Okay. Okay. But, but I'm with but, you, man. By the way, I'm one you. one yeah. thing I thought watching this movie was maybe this is a movie that should have been a season of television. Oh my god, it felt like yeah. it would such have been a, a great TV show. Such a TV, TV show. show. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm kind of happy it's not though. No. I don't think it, it needs to be another four great. hours long. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. I'm fine with a long movie as long as there's a reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I just think the the biopic aspects of it, if stretched out, would have worked for me better than the maybe. I, here I, in a but then I, it's a topic. series. It is. I, I want things to be a movie. I'm sorry. You know, I know just be what like, you mean. Yeah. You know, like, why can't they get to episode seven when they get to the Overlook? Or whatever. <laughs> <you know? laughs> also, everything now is a damn TV show. It, yeah, I know. That's I don't want to watch the Shining no, TV true. show. That's yeah. True. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. So okay. And I timed them because I'm ridiculous. 
Um, the first act I'm saying is the prologue. And it's so funny because the the first time I watched this, that lock-in, I was like, man, this lock-in is really late. Because we've been doing this so many times, you sort of get used to looking for the lock. When's the lock-in? That's going to be the end of Act One. Well, no. What, what do we what do we say the act, the definitive lock-in is on this? The lock-in. Jamie explained it earlier. It's when Marty has yeah. to get back to the future. He's now in 1955. No, 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 no not the concept this of this movie. Oh, it's when he learns. It's it's Red Rum. I'm saying it's, it's red the red rum. rum. Okay, and we'll get there. I'll, I'll break no, it down. No, I'd say that that was. What, that's red the, rum is that's when the, he learns that's the past coming back, and but, that's right? when he has yeah. a problem yeah. he has to fix. And by the, the overall, by the problem. way, usually the lock-in is when you can state that log line you just read off IMDb. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 54 like, minutes. It's, it usually takes that long to figure out what story you're in. Is right. when the lock-in comes, and it usually comes around minute 25. Right, it's about 25 percent usually. It doesn't have to but be. But the red rum moment seems like the moment where you believe Danny's actually going to move right. his ass that's the first yes. time he knows yeah. there's a he threat has a mi- he has a mission at that moment right right that's when it becomes yeah. a commercial movie right okay right. so the first act i'm saying is the prologue 1980 it's 13 minutes long that whole section with danny and his mom is it doesn't feel like 13 minutes to me no. but i t- it timed it. it it's it's 13 minutes speaking of, of short films yeah it's like the That's little short, short film, the short film of what happened and, after the shining, and it mm-hmm. sets up. Yeah. There's a scene on that scene is crucial on the bus bench or wherever bench, the beach bench with where Dick comes, mm-hmm. and yeah. Dick. Mm-hmm. It sets up all the questions. He he, it, it's it sets up. Dick's like, one day you're gonna teach somebody, and he's like, no, I am not. I'm not gonna do that. Um, and he's like. Uh, okay, I want you to know this box. I want you to learn this box. And if anybody comes to get you, since you're not willing to shine anymore, at least you can learn how to capture them and, mm-hmm. and keep them from do, from harming you. But right. it sets up the big questions for Dan's character, which is all of these are introduced in the prologue. Will Dan ever shine again? Because he says he won't. And the whole movie builds to that. Right. Um, will Dan turn what evil comes for him against them? That's what Dick says. This is how you're going to do it with the right. box. And will Dan ever teach someone else how to shine like him? Those are all set up in that prologue. That's like the purpose of the. So that's like, I think that's first right an act itself. Goals, too. Goals for Dan. Just for Dan, though. Just for Dan. Yeah. Um, and then the second act is 2011. I'm, I'm saying. Right. Um, it's tw- 30 minutes. Right. 2000. I Dude, I had no idea it was that long. And we set up the before world for um, Dan searching for help and purpose. He says, I need help at the end of it. Um, Abra discovering her power. She says, I can do that. And we see her use the power for the first time. And then she starts talking has that first connection with Dan on the right. chalkboard. And we yeah. see the true knot expanding their team. We don't see him kill anybody. In that second section, we see them expanding the team with that girl and 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 for the long run showing and we get to know the family and the problems and Mm -hmm. and, and the world building and the rules of the monster. So we sort of get our before worlds for each of those three sets of characters. And then 43 minutes into the movie, we have eight years later, Mm -hmm. 43 minutes. Insane. And then it's Dan's in recovery. And I think that. This is like a third act, <laughs> like yeah, right, right, <laughs> and it's like a ten-minute act where uh, da- uh, teenage Abba reaches out on the chalkboard. The True Knot hunts and kills the baseball boy, and then Red Rum hits the chalkboard at fifty-four minutes. And I think that's when we get that lock-in. And then the then other- you get the Shining too. Then you get the- yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the Shining too. Then then you get the movie. Yeah, yeah, right. It's so weird. It's, it's strange because especially so with my studio hat on or something. 
can you imagine the movie starting after he's recovered? That's the way probably right. in the future. Maybe there was a There would have been a line. It would have been a line or something. Yeah, there yeah. would have been a prologue. He gets would, his one-year chip. He gets his chip. He's in the <laughs> yeah. meeting. Yeah, right, he right. says something that he's struggling yeah. or something. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And then you go from there. That would yeah. have been the typical movie. Yeah. And instead of having this long history. Right. Kind of that happens. You, you said the, biopic is a great well, in some ways, but as you said too, Jamie, like this merits it only because this is a character that we actually have history with. I, I mean, I think you're right. I yes. think I'm, if it wasn't, we could have started with the chip. That's so, a good. <laughs> we could have been like, so, yeah. So what I'm warning, like for new writers, is this? It's method, not a lesson. This method works because I was really interested in Danny Torrance and seeing what Stephen King did with Danny. Do you Torrance. think it's premise delivery then for I th- this? I think as for a sequel? this, it works. I do would worry if this was just a out of the box non sequel. Oh, I type this up and you're following this guy in recovery and you're like, what's this movie about? There's this other group. Right. I don't. I'm not really interested because he doesn't really have huge obstacles. It's like no. I want to recover. Boom, he's recovered. Yeah, and then I he has to, to maintain recovery. I'm, I'm a good guy now. I work. Yeah. There's the dead. We have to there's the like, cat. be interested in this character to even stay awake during it's, those scenes. You know what I mean? It's, it's just in some right. ways it's. 55 minutes of pure exposition is what it is. I know. That's what it is. It's all set up. It's all set up. It's 55 min- 54 minutes of setup. And and it works. But it's I, not exactly plot. Not no. plot. It's not, not. plot. Uh, it's really but not. But I feel like everything that happens after is only powerful because of those 54 yeah. minutes of yeah. setup. That's true. So yeah. it's it's a unique movie in that way, but I'd, I'd caution anybody trying to structure it similar. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. I just wanted um, to talk about it because I think it's really interesting. I'm, I'm a big no, shining. Definitely. I'm a big shining fan. The, the Danny Torrance character interests me. So all that was interesting. There are people uh, who have asked. me That's also a thing seen... where I'm worried about. Like I'm such a fan of The Shining. Like, <laughs> like I could have watched. This could have been See, another and hour, and I might have been fine. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not. And yeah. I, I think it, I can. I think it's a masterpiece. But that doesn't mean I enjoy it. Right. Um. And for me, I thought it enhanced the first movie. But you got there that are Stephen people, King thing going. Yeah, going back right. to the to talk why we're talking about this. I feel like that's one of the reasons why the marketing is weird. Because it's a movie with a 54 minutes of setup, I think that affects the way you can sell this story. Sure, yeah. I think it's all sort of tied together. The the oddly the failure of its like financial failure, I think, is oddly tied into the way that this is constructed. Sure, yeah. even though I think it's a fucking awesome movie. Yeah, um, it's hard to say how the cheeseburger crowd reacts to this movie. We yeah. have to be privy to their like exit polls and all that magic. Because it, yeah, yeah, it might not have the word of mouth. Dead silent. It might not have the word of mouth because was, of that. Yeah. People might kind of snooze through the first half yeah. and then kind of like, well, yeah, the end was good. Well, it's like one of those you things know? where I feel like, and this is not really script related what I'm saying, but I feel like this movie in five to ten years will have its audience. Dude, yeah. it's going to pick so. up. It's going to pick so up. It's so good. But well like, I could see people... I could see people like walking out and going, "What the hell was all the that?" Expectations. Sh- why was I watching a bunch of people breathe in steam right. for like an hour and a half? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I could see somebody saying that. Yeah, yeah. The, the steam part of it is strangely like The Shining is a movie for better or worse that feels like a typical haunted house movie. It's a that, ghost movie that we could yeah. all imagine might happen in the real world. Right. Where this goes into fantasy territory Absolutely. almost immediately with the CGI steam. Like you said, and all superhero that and vampires. Yeah. yeah. Look at Rose. A different thing. Rose's projection scene. It looks Dude, like it. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. it's very fantasy ass. It's very fantasy. But, but but like that's not the movie they anybody thought they were getting. That's right. And they could, I could see somebody mistaking it for like what the, what is this shit? Right. 
You know, what I, I could totally yeah. see that. And they, this is something you come back to later and like, okay, now I get it. Now that I'm, I get I'm it removed from my expectations, right, let me right, experience yeah. this again and see and what that, it is. That's sort of why I think the book was called Dr. Sleep. Mm-hmm. And I think to he, divorce it from he that. kind of pushed away from it. He's like, yes, this is a further Danny Torrance story, but it's not The Shining 2. Right. You know, that's a good point, Jamie. Yeah. Which I'm sure yeah. King told him in this whole you know in the lead up to this right yeah i'm sure right they had to have that conversation <laughs> <laughs> but um uh Rep- so, repetition so jamie yeah rep- you wanna, that's what i was looking for yeah, you want to you want to explain rule of three to people and i'll b- b- bounce off of that well there there's a couple different you you can help me out with the rule of three but the rule of three three is just this magic number where you usually have three things happen in a row, sometimes in lines of dialogue. Sometimes uh, it can be a running gag. Uh, so rule of three, usually so important the, in comedy. Very important in comedy. Yeah. So whenever you have like a joke and it, you just do like, you start listing things, it's always weird if it's two. It's always weird if it's four. But three is the magic number. Three is the magic number. Because it's like the first one. An example. The first one is random. Oh, yeah. The second I, thing establishes, examples from this movie. establishes yeah, yeah. a pattern. And then the third one, now that you have the pattern, um, is the kind of punch like punch. uh zombie land woody harrelson says he loves twinkies and there's another twinkie joke and then he eventually gets the twinkie yeah right. <laughs> exactly. that's three things so, right 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 so yep. yeah, yeah so yep. we've talked about this in other podcasts it's something that one i had been using before i learned about it years ago i had been using it and didn't know it was a technique it was just sort of that comes like the beginning middle ending of and and i don't know about you but when i'm writing stories i'm writing scripts I will sometimes just write the rule the the rule of threes and then pop them in. It's like a construction technique where I'll just be Fill like, okay, we're gonna I'm just just gonna write this five page story and I'm just gonna write this five page story and then I'm gonna put it in sequence in the movie where it fits. But it's it's one way to sort of like uh, get the work done ahead of time in the idea phase. But uh, if, I you had... ha- if you have that, you know you at least have something. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like you at least didn't completely ruin right. everything. Yeah. So, so the the first time I brought it up, I had said I learned like a an, a great official definition of it, okay. and I finally dug it up. Okay, I dug cool. up where okay. like this great way to uh, conceptualize the technique, um, and it does. Con- this is from some a woman named Julie Marsh. She is a consultant. She okay. has a website called yourbestdraft.com. Okay. Um, she had a creative screenwriting seminar called okay. Writing Horror back mm-hmm. in the early 2000s okay. that I attended and I also in bought the the, in the aughts. <laughs> I attended yeah. and I also bought the DVD. It's out there. You can find it. It's called Creative Screenwriting Expos uh, okay. Writing Horror. Okay. But it's, and, and she said it does. What's the DVD again? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> She said it does come from comedy. It was it's a vaudeville uh, definition where in vaudeville they used to say if you do something on stage three times, then it becomes funny. And so you're right on the comedy thing. But um, her she says and I'm using her words. um, uh, Repetition creates causation and meaning. We understand it's more than just a coincidence. If something happens twice, it could be a coincidence. If it happens three times, suddenly the audience understands naturally there's meaning to it. And there's expectation. Tension is created when the audience sees the same thing twice. What's going to happen the third time we see it? And um, like Jamie said, when you've done something twice, you created a pattern. So we're like, oh, my God, what's going to happen the next time? And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I am going to say... This movie, not just Rule of Threes, 
it, it, it does repetition four, five, six, seven times about around one thing. Sometimes it's twice. I think this movie uses repetition more than any movie I've ever seen. I found wow. 17 different, I'm not going to list them. I'm going to make a blog about this that'll be an expansion because otherwise it'll be me talking for two hours right, about right, right. the examples. I found 17 different types of repetition in this movie. Um, 10 of them are just situations that repeat themselves and seven of them are dialogue things that repeat themselves. And I'm not just talking about they repeat themselves once or twice. Like the boxes show up eight times. Um, the hospice cat who visits the patients, that's a rule of three. The first time the cat visits a hospice patient, Danny helps them die. The second time the cat visits a hospice, hospice patient, Danny helps them die again. The third time, he's like, there's nobody in that room, and Dick shows up. So we have a powerful ex res emotional response right, right, based right. on the rule of three. Um, Rose, the first time she's on a Winnebago, it's bright and zen and she's powerful. The second time we see her on top of the Winnebago, it's dark and she gets her ass kicked and knocked off the Winnebago. Right, right, right. So um, the deathbed scenes, um, uh, the dying patient to Dan says, I'm scared. And he's like, there's nothing to be afraid of. You've lived a good life. This, the second time we see it, it's the same scenario. Dan, he says to Dan, I'm scared. And he dies a peaceful death. The third time, Grandpa is on his deathbed. Right. And he says to Rhodes, I'm scared. And she's like, there's nothing to be afraid of. And we know he's lived a bad life. And we see him die a horrible, painful fucking death. So it creates power. There's 17 of these. In this movie. Wow. Okay. And then it's like very unique in that way. Like this, I feel like he just made a whiteboard mm -hmm. full of like full all of the different ways he could repeat and reverse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean, dude, there's like the the uh take your medicine in the when we when we meet Dan, he's beating somebody up, beating take them almost medicine, to death. And he's like, take is, yeah, right. your medicine. And then when Jack Offers so, him the so, thing. He's so, like, "Are you gonna take your medicine?" Right, right, right. It's like there's so many of these. Yeah. So it's just it's it's a it's a technique, and this movie uses it more than like I said, I've ever fucking seen ever <laughs> ever ever seventeen times, and and then well, I've got my script repetitions you need to read. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. it's something I use a lot. I, yeah. I once saw no. a technique, yeah. and this is less rule of three and more rule of two. That basically said when you're outlining a script, like you could do the exact same thing in a different way in the second half. So first you do it one way, yep, and then in the second half you do it another way. Um, so uh, I remember the example. I think it's in that book. My screenplay can beat up beat your up your screenplay. screenplay, and he uses Star Wars as an example. So it was kind of like perfect big ship uh, chasing small ship, and then it's the uh, people escape from the ship and something. And then in the second half, he was like, it echoes all those things. Yeah, it's you the escalation factor, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like he does a different version mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's something um, when you're in like the whiteboards phase, creating opposites, like making lists of opposites. I think, and this is a I great example. I think you could example. do it three times. Both thematic, to. visual even. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. Could do a lot. I mean, that deathbed one, I didn't notice it the first time. And the second time, like where there's like two deliberate long scenes with peaceful, beautiful deaths, and I'm scared, Dan. There's nothing to be scared of. And then Grandpa, I'm scared. You know, that was like a really powerful moment in the yeah, movie, yeah. and I didn't realize that it was a repetition. I mean, I would even say, um, to if I had to pull one out of my butt for this movie, the one that stood out to me the most was uh, Jacob Tremblay's death scene. Yes, the kids' death yeah. scene. Oh, yeah. Versus Rose the Hat's death scene. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and there's like, two there's, 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 yeah, exactly. And Straight even Dan. Up. 
Dan has the same repetition where all the right. ghosts get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, right. yeah, exactly. Repeti- like you said, straight up. Straight up. So it creates like more emotional resonance when we yeah. start seeing it the third and the fourth because we know what what it's gonna feel like and oh yeah. Um, also, it like interestingly, like kind of um, had like the true knots or the gang, and it kind of made the hotel ghosts that we loved that it. we know and love. We like it kind of reframed them as this like gang of ghosts mm-hmm. that live in this hotel. Yeah. And they're doing the same sort of thing. They feed off her steam. They which, feed off her steam. Which right. I didn't notice in the first time around. I, I thought they just like killed her. No, they the feed, same, off, they feed off her steam the same way that, that, right. that Rose is. That's great. Right. I love it. Well, it reframed the original ghosts. That's what I just thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. I know? never really thought of them as a gang until you said that right well, now. Yeah, it, well, the, I mean, like the one thing that I thought was interesting about that is that the way that he actually had them as a gang over top like of her. Like they're a team. Who we've never... We, they that's they something, kind of swarm like zombies. That was like a... That, I guess that was a premise delivery thing, sort of, because we've never seen like all those ghosts together as mm-hmm. like, here's all your favorites. They're showing <laughs> them in a new way. Yeah, yeah. and they're all, Wait, they're all actually separate entities that, that work together <laughs> as one? Okay. All right. We, we kind of didn't have... That's good, dude. That was an answer to a question. Yeah. Like, was it the hotel? Is it just an evil fucking hotel or was it... Yeah, were these people at one point? Yeah, I was interested. You know? That my my favorite thing about that was, I think that it's ambiguous in The Shining whether the twins are bad. They're sort of just they were just they murdered. show up sort of as a warning to Danny and they're this cursed. and this this feels like yeah they're a part of the team. Like I was like oh they're bad shit. Like <laughs> well I think it was kind of positing that if you die there. Right. You, become you become part of the team. You become you're cursed to right. be part of the team. So and and I yeah. think this movie does do a good job of showing that like people die uh, if they're murdered, they die with as much pain as like the people who uh, live bad lives sort of become like right, vengeful. Right, right. Like I could see that yeah. I could see baseball boy becoming like a vengeful ghost in this story world. You know what I mean? As opposed to the old guys on the bed who are like, I've lived an okay life. Right, right, you right. Know? Yeah. Um, no, that's a good point, man. I, the repetition thing. It's massive. Seventeen. It's insane. I'm sure I missed some I mean, too. If you could feel it. Yeah. yeah. It all feels like a mirror. But yeah. You, you all said something about POV. Uh, to yeah. POV. Yeah. So yeah. so the first time I watched it, I didn't. I was trying to figure out where the surprises come from, and I'll use I'll use Sixth Sense as an example of what I mean. That this movie does a great job of using point of view to manipulate us, and. Uh, the sixth sense when we meet when we meet what's his name is it Cole? I can't remember. In the when sixth we meet, sense, in the sixth sense when we meet Bruce Willis, he's alive, mm-hmm. and we are experiencing the story through his perspective, and it's the perspective of a man who is not a ghost. And then he gets shot, and it cuts to years later, and we are seeing the story still from his perspective, and we it has created this expectation in us that we're watching the perspective of a man who's alive. And the only reason the twist works is because our point of view has been manipulated. He's sort of like an unreliable narrator. Like, we're, he doesn't know. We're and, seeing it the way and he then, sees it. And then they tell us, all this perspective you've been seeing is not from the perspective you thought it was. And suddenly, we're, like, aware, and, and the surprise works because of the manipulation of point of view. So this movie like does some really awesome weird shit with point of view. It does dream within a dream mm-hmm. twist. Um, it, it does uh, superior position. Um, Dick. Uh, D- Dick. It's like, so, so right. I'll give, I'll give you the examples. And, and, and I think the first time I saw this, 
I was like, what the fuck is the significance of that town shot? You remember the shot when they when yep. he arrives into Teeny Town and it's like this mm, weird yeah. forced perspective, perspective where wide, the town yeah. is exactly the same size on screen mm-hmm. and then it pulls back and it's this tiny town. This tiny town and I right, think yeah. that that was saying, okay, everything you think about the perspective of what you're watching is going to be twisted and unexpected. And I didn't understand what the, I was like, there's gotta be something fucking significant about this. It'd be funny like, if it, it wasn't yeah, Mike Flanagan's going like, to, we're going to cool. listen to this. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> just like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's not listening to yeah, this. <laughs> Don't worry about no, that. I know. But, um, yeah. like, yeah, he's, that was just, it just looked cool. Um, so, okay. Or you can just go, I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. I'll, <laughs> I'll explain, I'll, I'll explain my theories here. And how I think the movie uses techniques. Um, Dan, Dan, when we see his point of view, when he sees ghosts, we see ghosts, and right. that's what we know. Right. We 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 understand that that's when Dan is when we're seeing things through Dan's eyes. He's seeing ghosts. Right. We understand what that feels like. Abra, uh, we see her perspective when she's looking in, and we understand what it looks like when she's using her powers. It's very specific. Right. 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 And the yeah. same thing with Rose. So we have now expectations for what each three of these people's perspective look like. And then comes the supermarket where the surprises start. Abra looks in and we're like, okay, she's looking into Rose. But bam, Rose turns it on her head and starts looking like into Abra. Her, and right. it's like the, that's our first big surprise in the movie. Like suddenly Rose is in her head and we thought she was in Rose's head. Right, right. Dream within a dream, right? It's fucking weird. Um, the second one is Abra's bedroom trap. Rose looks into Abra's head. And then she gets there, bam! It's not mm-hmm. it's not Abra's head. It's actually Rose's head that Abra has has put into a trap, right? And so those are like based on the expectations that they created. And then um, on the way to dig up the baseball boy, Dan says, "Ab, like, how'd you do that?" And she's like, "It's a trick. I've never done it before." And then she goes inside she goes his, his head. head, and so now we're seeing Dan's perspective completely different. So like all of a sudden, we're all bets are off. And we don't know what it looks like for any of these people. We, also, to add to this, um, I think we talked about this in the it, the it podcast, it, it chapter two podcast we did. Um, how we talked about we undefined uh, breaks its own rules, undefined character powers, and all that. Yes, this movie is I in in like it somehow kind of sidesteps that, but I ha- like to some degree we have literally no clue what these characters are capable of or why or how at all at any time. I couldn't believe it worked for me because, you know, I'm big on the Marzipan. Right. No. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like it worked and I didn't question I, I the think stuff. It hurts, was... I do think it hurts the tension a little bit again in Act 3 because you're not sure what to worry about. You know, he seems okay. to have the upper hand. I don't know. It, just, it hurts a little bit in Act 3, I thought. But up till then, not well, as much. Outside of that, I'm yeah. just saying, like, the shine in general, like, it's not defined in the first movie, really, no. outside of, like, you can see ghosts and you can talk to people with your brain. Right. 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 And this, that's the, this expands on that. This so expands much. on it yeah. so much. It's it, there it, to a degree where it could have been completely detrimental, but it's done, it's done in an escalating, it's escalated to the mm-hmm. point where, like, I'm just, I, I gave myself. It's almost it. like we're you learning I mean? while they're learning. Yeah, we're learning while they're Abra's learning. Abra's learning right, how yes. to do new things, and they. She, I mean, they call it new tricks, and they're like, like Dan says, like he Dan's in Abra's house, and he's like, I, I need you to let them track you, and I need you to try a new trick, mm-hmm. and so like maybe it works because 
they set up they're going to try something right, that we've right. they've never done before and so how could yeah. they define their powers for us if they've never done it before that's true. Also they're learning the as they're we learn. learning as we learn like, it's sort of sense. like they're that's, fish out maybe of that water is why it works. Like, that also goes with the monster in the house thing like mm-hmm. since we're learning with them we have no clue where the evil could be at any moment right yeah <sighs> that's good you know what i mean it's yeah. completely arbitrary yeah yeah like any moment it could introduce something new like, oh, they can do that? So that's actually, probably why it works. For one second, I thought Rose was actually flying. Mm. You, During, can, you don't know. I don't know. I was like, oh, she, is, she, is she I was there? like, can she just fly? Is it, and uh, I think that's like. Are we doing that? And I think the, the ambiguity you feel there <laughs> is. Which would be a totally different <laughs> movie right. completely. She's flying now. They can fly? <laughs> but, but, but I think like the. What you're saying is yeah. like a great point. Like the ambiguity is a testament to the craft. Yeah, yeah, they've been. It's also part of the the idea, the premise as well, yeah. right? Yeah, we like the shining shouldn't be defined, right? Oh. It is, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a thing that is. It's like a Lovecraftian ideal. Yeah, like, yeah. It's just like the the force. The yeah. force. It's yeah. the force, yeah. right? There's all these different variations of force users. Powers of force, the force users. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Luke, Luke can't do that. Oh, yeah, why? Why? It's yeah. fake and it doesn't exist. Good call. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um. But uh, more. T- I just was posing that all the surprises in the movie work because of our perspective and the way that our perspective is manipulated. Right. Um, the trapping the true knot in the woods, um, we think what we're seeing, we're, we don't know what they're going to do. Right. So we very well, there's a part of me that was like thinking it was Abra sitting there on the bench when they lure him in and she swaps the perspective. It's not Abra. It's a stuffed animal, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, Crow's point of view shift. He says to Rose, like Rose is like, what if she plays a trick on you? Question why the stuffed animal had to be there, but okay, go ahead. Yeah. What do you mean? Why did there need to be anything on that table? Oh, well, yeah. I was, I was thinking the whole thing's kind of cinematic because why start shooting after they find out? Right. The stuff <laughs> start shooting that. <laughs> it's because of movies, I it's guess. It's a movie. Yeah. Good call. Right. I didn't really think about that. Why do you need it there? It could be nothing. Um, yeah, right. But she did use the baseball glove. If I can touch the baseball glove, I can see it. Maybe there's some physical. There's some kind of tangibility yeah, tangible. thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and then the best one is, uh, oh, and the big POV shift with Crow's POV mm-hmm. when he's like, I got a trick too. Mm-hmm. And then, whop, he's behind her and he drugs her. Yeah. Uh, and then it just keeps going, man. Like, uh, Crow has Abra sedated and tied up, but surprise number one, Dan enters Abra's body, something we didn't know he could do, something we've never seen before. They can possess? Okay. Oh, shit. Right. And then, surprise right. number two, Dan forces Crow to crash, something we didn't know he could physically do that, you know? And once again, that's a surprise based on our point of view. Um, and then the Overlook Maze is the best one, and they, they get pretty fucking literal with it. She says... She enters the the Overlook maze and she says she thinks it's Abra's head. And she says, "You've made some improvements since the last time I was in your mind." And Abra says, "How do you know we're not in your mind?" And we don't know either. <laughs> and then t- twist, Rose says, "This isn't your mind, is it? You're just the bait. We're actually in Dan's mind." So it's all fucking perspective right. and the manipulation. And my favorite one is they give us superior position because a lot of the time we're not given superior position in this movie. But they give us superior position. They show Explain us- what superior position is. Jamie, what's... Superior position means you know something that the characters you're typically following don't know. Right. And so, like, we saw the killer, but the, but but the protagonist did, has... Dan did. Right. right. And okay. so my favorite example of uh, using perspective to manipulate our emotions is we saw them bury the boy... They could have not showed us 
them burying the boy. But we saw them bury the boy. So this whole 20-minute buildup of them getting to the boy yeah. has more like tension because we're like, shit, what's going to happen when they fucking bury this corpse, dig up this corpse? Right. Like, it's, I, oh, my God, I don't want to see that. Like, right. And what if he's not there? There's all this tension created around giving us the superior position mm-hmm. that, like, if they just take away that one moment where they're burying them, we feel none of that. And we're just like, I wonder if he's going to be there. They're looking for something. Right. So I just, the, I thought per, this was like a masterclass in using perspective to like manipulate our emotions. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I didn't think of that the first time I saw it, but the second time it was like very noticeable to me. Yeah, you have a you kind of ha- you have a superior position for seeing it twice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow, I, I saw it once last night. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's why no, I was it's like- okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's like it's just gonna be me talking. So I don't want to talk you, about. Well, you had you had two more last things. One more window characters. Okay. I've, yeah. What are window characters? Okay. For help us. Uh, so me so for that window character is like Wilson mm-hmm. in Castaway. Right. So you need not home improvement. <laughs> <laughs> you you need. Um, it, it's, it's who the characters talk to. It, 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 they serve many functions, but basically it's like how it sounds. They give you a window into your character and how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. And, um, without them, we don't understand how the characters are feeling about like the, the situation that's going on. That's how you, sh- you track the theme and how the character is growing or not growing. Someone that's, to talk to. Someone to talk to. And this one I feel like is a great example. Like everybody that Dan talks to shows you a window into Dan and what he's feeling and how he's shifting. Definitely. And also Crow, most scripts that I get from clients when they have a villain, they don't have a window character for the villain to allow you to understand how the villain is feeling about the situation that's like, happening. Like a like a Bob from Batman. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. but 89, Bob, 89. I mean, you barely learn barely anything. Barely learn anything. This yeah, one, yeah. Crow, Crow's function is to allow us to understand how Rose, Rose is feeling right, about right, the right. things that are mm-hmm. happening. In every single scene, mm-hmm. he's debating yeah. with her, like, I don't think we should do this. You know that what? Like we're running out of steam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I kept laughing every time they were saying we're running out of steam. <laughs> God, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stop blowing air up my ass. Um, right yeah. But uh, it's just a great example of how to use characters to like give you. <laughs> Bob, uh, every... All the insert, steam, the insert fart jokes. I know. I was gonna say there's um, so many steam puns, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, I had two more, and that, and then uh, um, confessional scenes. Do you use confessional scenes, Jamie? I do. I, I think I do. I, I think, and windows or window characters are often the source of those. But there's, um, uh, I'm trying to think. In in Will Will Martell, we were talking about him. Uh, Bill Martell wrote, writes a bunch of books. I remember one of the first books I ever read in screenwriting is it's called um, Secrets of Action Screenwriting. Mm-hmm. Great book, little blue book. But he called them Hamlet moments. Mm. And he said, "Yeah, oh, I had that's to give, good. Yeah, I had to give your character Hamlet moments." To express like their inner feelings and stuff, and he and they need someone to unload on. They need somebody yeah. to unload on. Sometimes it can be a message on an answering mm-hmm. machine. So th- there's all kinds of ways you can do it. Yeah, but I think there are definitely a couple times in your movie that 
typically there are these Hamlet moments or yeah. professional scenes. He has two of them, but the big one, he has the one at AA talking about his dad. AA is a very common yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, that's where you... Therapy. I, I, therapy. Is therapy. I learned this from Jack Epps Jr., who I've brought up a couple times. Uh, he he consulted for me a couple times when I was learning the craft. Um, he wrote Top Gun and Dick Tracy, and he used to be the head of screenwriting at USC, and he did a seminar that I went to once, and he's he, he called it confessional scenes because he used... Um, the Toy Story example of when Toy Story is talking to Buzz, he's in a crate, and the lighting. When Toy Story is talking to when, Buzz. When 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 uh when Woody is Woody's talking Woody, to Buzz. Woody, Woody, okay, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he's in the crate, and the lighting on his face looks like he's in a confessional with a priest. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's uh and he's talking about his uh his. It's usually where the character talks about their fatal flaw. They admit their their problem, mm-hmm. and it's sort of the moment like it usually comes either like end of Act Two or Dark Knight of the Soul, right. where the character's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I am the source of the problem, and I need to get a handle on it if right. I'm gonna overcome this main story problem Mm -hmm. and like Woody says what chance does a toy like me have against an action figure I should be the one who's strapped to the rocket right now not you you know like um, and uh, this one so would like Al from Dar- Die, Die Hard, Hard is, is my next. Oh yeah, example. are you serious? Yeah, yeah. He says I, I have not an, seen his papers. People, I had an accident, and and so you can have. That's amazing, dude. You shining on me? Yeah, dude. Let <laughs> me drink your steam. Um, now for com- my trick, <laughs> right? Jamie, right. what's next? Jamie's right. gonna juggle the I'm microphones. Out of steam. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie's out of steam. <laughs> Listeners are out of steam. Um, <laughs> um, and it can be supporting characters. That's the thing. Al has like. That's one of like the most famous ones. Right, right. I shot a kid. I had an accident, you know, and he admits. And then like the next time we see the scenario, he's like admitting it. It helps him overcome it. Right. So this one has. He's also the character for John McClane to give to. He's a window character for John McClane. Right, right. Yeah. Imagine Die Hard without that character. That's how we're able to get into John McClane's. That we're going to do Die Hard soon. We'll 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 revisit window characters. Window characters. But uh, there's the the best one in this movie is when he's at the. um, His dad is pouring him a drink and he tells the story Mm -hmm. of how. And it usually, that's another technique for the. The confessional, it's usually a person telling a story right, about right. their lives. So Al is a great example. He's telling a story about their lives. And Dale and Dan tells a story about like being guilty that he could see the black flies on his mom and she's dying and he was mm-hmm. ashamed and he couldn't look at her and she saw that. So he wasn't able to like kind of console her in death the way that he ends up doing to all the old people in hospitals. Yeah, yeah, right. So yeah, it's just a great Another great tool. There you go. Window yeah. characters. It's yeah. Good. I don't think window we, and confessions. Have we talked about window characters? I don't before think so. On one show? we brought it up in one episode, but yeah, it's a it's a really good way to use. I mean, honestly, I think great scripts. All the characters that talk to the main character are window characters mm-hmm. in some way or another, right. and and like you know everybody says, well, I want to ha- I want to give my my side characters arcs, and you can do that, but ultimately, I feel like the purpose of the supporting characters is to uh help the main character mm-hmm. grow and like that's what this yeah. yeah 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 so yeah tell anybody that who's like mad that supporting characters don't have more of a spotlight because <laughs> <there's laughs> they're so important i feel like that's often said like if some you know like people watch movies now and they're like well actually he's the actor that i'd rather be spotlighted but that's not how writing works Right, he's a side character. Exactly, yeah, it serves a function in, in and writing. There's right. plenty of scripts. I'm sure I'm guilty of it, 
where you fall in love with the side character and then they start end up ending controlling your story all of a sudden for 30 pages it's this other person when they story. shouldn't when they shouldn't be right right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay well that's, that's all i that's got the, that's the that's the end of uh jimmy's jimmy's massive doctor sleep <laughs> thing i'm sorry <laughs> no i mean i think you covered everything i would want to talk about so yeah. yeah, exactly. I think you should um publish it and put it on uh <laughs> Kindle. I'll put it in a book. <laughs> Tag Mike Flanagan in the link and then uh That's right. move on. He'll hire you. Well, what I guess the last question. What did we learn? I learned that a five act movie could be like satisfying and um even though it's not making money i think it's a very commercial movie like i think it's very tangible like yeah if people went if people actually went i think they they showed up yeah yeah jamie yeah i this really isn't a screenwriting thing but i love when sequels are bold and do different genres yeah man and just do something completely yeah off the the that's exactly what i was gonna say (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean my like most of my favorite movies ever are sequels that did something so different it's like yeah. it's almost like either not, hated not just hitting the beats or something yeah it's not remaking the yeah. same movie over again you know yeah yeah like die hard 2 is literally the same movie over again. right right but this as a sequel it's it's not even in the same ballpark until the end yeah yeah it's it's a, it almost feels like a different genre mm-hmm. yeah and it works. I think it works. it works. I love this movie. This I is one of my it. favorite movies I've seen this year. Yeah, it's definitely one of mine. I loved and it. You you liked it at least, right? No, I really liked it. <laughs> okay. I, I really enjoyed it. I, <laughs> okay. It's it's a it's a tricky one because I see issues with it. I feel like and rewatches will be rewarding. I, I see I don't think the issues with this one either are with what Flanagan did at all. I think it was with the the book. The, book. the story he was Him adapting. having to So I think okay. he did an amazing adaptation of a book that maybe would have been better as a television show or maybe is better as a book. So I think he did a great adaptation of, okay. of a book. That's that's my take on it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of is a source material. I, well well said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he did a great job adapting this material, from what I can tell, without reading the book, but knowing what the book is. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yep. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening, guys. All right. Bye. Bye. You have just listened to Writers Blockbusters, a screenwriting podcast featuring two professionals and another guy. Available only on Thundergrunt. Uh...